All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Ron Wilson, CEO of Interview Stream and the host of Talent Storm, where we'll chat about everything that meets at the intersection of talent and organizational performance. We're focused on exploring the tips, tricks, and techniques for identifying and fostering talent, creating high-performance teams and organizations. I'm excited to be joined today by a good friend of mine, Tim Furlong. Tim has over 20 years of experience and is a nationally recognized speaker, facilitator, and executive coach. Tim is also the author of Quarter Turns, Small Shifts, Big Impacts. Tim is the creator of the My Quarter Turns coaching system that is designed to meet the accelerated pace of the modern enterprise and make immediate, noticeable impacts. Tim brings a unique brand of edutainment to his seminars and coaching sessions. Tim, welcome to the Talent, Pod, Talent Storm podcast. I'm honored to have you with me today. Thanks for having me, Ron. How's it going over there? It's going well. Sorry, I, that was a lot to get through. I, you know, it is. Not, We're going to edit that down a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know. But hey, you 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 you've lived an exciting life, and uh, you know, I want to start with that and give uh, give our listeners a quick overview of your background and experience uh, in life, as well as with coaching um, performance and sure. you know high performance individuals, teams, and organizations. Well, you know this, right? I got my start uh, doing what I do as a touring musician, and uh, that's led to some great conversations. Toured all over the country, opened for national acts, uh, went over to Europe, and did about everything you could do as an unsigned act. And, and when I share that with people, there's always someone that wants to know, well, gosh, what was the name of the band? And it seems like a good question, but in reality, it's really not, because if you knew the name of my band, I wouldn't be on your podcast today, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as that as that kind of you know fizzled out and 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 things changed, I, I got into sales. And um, for whatever reason, I just happened to have a knack with sales. It was a really supportive organization that invested in people and and trained them and coached them. And I just kind of grabbed a few things and ran with it. And within about eighteen to twenty four months, was one of the top salespeople in that company. And uh, with no sales experience, right, other than singing in a band. So the owners took notice and said, hey, Tim, what are you doing? And and I was very upfront. I was honest. I said, I have no clue. <laughs> and they said, great. Why don't you see if you train and coach our new salespeople how to do that? So that's kind of the birth of a, of a trainer, right? Figure out what you're doing and, and coach it to somebody else. Um, but that kind of morphed into into doing more sales training and sales coaching and kind of built that bridge to doing what I do now, which is speak at conferences, work with organizations, and then still do a lot of one-on-one coaching, which I'm super passionate about. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The uh, From hairband days to a sales uh, training rock star to now uh, executive coaching and you know performance coaching for organizations. That's a, quite a journey. It is a journey. Not, not the typical rock star journey, but hey, you're you're a rock star. T- <laughs> so that's I still awesome. get a mic and I still get a stage when they let me speak at a conference and they give me an audience. Right. The only difference I tell people is sometimes I actually get a check when it's over. <laughs> yeah, and, and just so uh, for you all to know, I still get the pleasure of uh, hearing Tim every once in a while play, and uh, he he is a a phenomenal musician and uh, you know an entertainer, but. Um, <laughs> But moving off of uh, the, the past and really getting into the, into the present, um, could you share with our listeners what the um, My Quarter Turns coaching system is? Sure. Well, so when I was growing up, um, my dad used to have a saying, if he didn't think we were, you know, 
doing things we were supposed to. He'd say, tighten up your chin strap a little bit. And as I got older, he would just kind of look at me and say, you yeah, know, you're doing pretty good, but tighten it up one quarter turn. And that's really stuck with me. It's, uh, I don't, as a coach or a facilitator or in training and seminars, I don't reinvent people. I don't change people. Most, most people that I work with are already performing at a pretty high level or they've elevated to some level of success or, or they want to. Um, so they have that motivation. I'm not here to change them. It's just find a little tweak in the way you're doing things, a little adjustment. And what I've learned is that those little shifts can give you a big impact. And, and also if it's easy to apply and you get a good impact, you're likely to keep doing it again. And that's what creates sustainable change. You know, a lot of uh, trainings I've seen and, and even coaching have asked you to do something that's so radically different than what you do normally, that even if you get a good outcome, you're not going to stick to it. It's like a New Year's resolution, right? People always make New Year's resolutions about exercise. Oh, I'm going to exercise every morning at 5 a.m. for two hours. And, and it lasts about a week because they're not exercising at all. And then they want to make this big, huge adjustment. So if you can make some slight adjustments, that usually will allow you to make those big changes over time in your business, in your life, and in your relationships. And when I'm coaching somebody, everything's in play, right? So many people will tell me, well, this is work and this is not work. And I draw the line. And, and the reality of it is you're not two different people, right? You're one person. What impacts the work life is going to impact your life outside work. What's going on outside work impacts the workplace. So wherever you make that adjustment, if it unkinks the hose a little bit and lets the water flow, that's going to impact every aspect of your life. And so that's kind of the mission I've made it over 20 years is to identify those little quarter turns. And I published a book about them and, and I, and I write, you know, articles every few weeks and post those out to my audience and, and, you know, anyone's welcome to check those out. They don't cost anything, right? They're free. So that's, that's kind of the quarter turns mantra, so to speak. Yeah, that's that, that's awesome, and uh, obviously I'm a I'm a big fan of it, and uh, subscribe to the uh, the quarter turns, you know, methodology, you know, and, and approach. I mean, there's no need to make wide changes. Let's just make small incremental changes um, over time, and and uh, see what works. Fast win, fast fail on those changes, and yeah. and uh, move on. So that's you got uh, it. Good stuff. So um, I know uh, another area that uh, you and I share an incredible amount of passion around is culture. And uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, people, people are what make up a culture. And as you sure. just talked about, you, you know, in order uh, to, to, uh, to reach peak performance, you always need to be learning and growing and, you know, making little changes along the way, you know, as you grow. And, you know, I'd like to lean into a bit about um, and, and talk about culture and get your perspective around you know, um, how culture impacts organizations and really drives high performance. Sure. Well, there's always been this argument about, well, is it strategy or is it culture? And I've heard, I've heard it said that, well, strategy will eat culture or, or culture will eat strategy for breakfast every day. And, and I totally right. believe that. Uh, and mostly because, you know, I've seen people and you probably have too, that are, you know, super talented, really intelligent, really smart, high-performing people, but you put them into a nasty culture or a culture that's kind of toxic or not supportive, and they fail. And on the flip side, I've seen people maybe of marginal talent, uh, maybe limited ability, maybe you know didn't look like they were just going to be massively successful, but you put them in that culture and you watch them soar and you watch them achieve at a high level. 
but obviously you need some strategy, Ron. I mean, there's no, there's no, you can't have no strategy. You can't just be an awesome culture with no strategy. So you got to have some kind of a blend. But the thing about culture is what we found is it's, it's more caught. It's not taught, right? You can't necessarily teach a culture. It's something that, you know, like I can walk in an organization, walk around the building, say hello to a few people, and you can kind of know what's going on, right? You can get a sense as to what that culture feels like. And it's hard to measure on a spreadsheet, right? You know, so many times when we're talking about building culture, you're talking about investing in people and developing people. And that takes time and it takes a commitment. And and let's be honest, it takes, you have to fund that, right? You have to to pay for that. And so often we'll get into a discussion with a senior leader or CFO and, and they'll ask me a really valid question. Like, what if we invest? all this, you know, time and, and dollars in, in these people or this person. And what if they leave the organization? And, and that's a, you know, that's a, a really valid question. But the, the, the counterpoint to that is I say, well, that's, that's great. I get it. But what if you don't invest in these people in your team? What if you don't do any of that? And then they decide to stay in your company. What, what that? <laughs> so you can't really have the good without the bad. People are going to move on and you don't invest that type of energy with the fear that they might leave. And, and what we know about this next gen of worker is that they, they not only want to be invested in, they want that development plan, they almost will demand it. And if they can't find it, they're going to move on to an organization that invests in them. Right. Um, so, and I think every generation wants that, but this next gen, we're finding it big time. They just expect it. What's my plan? What's, what's the development plan here? You're seeing it. And it frustrates a lot of uh, the people that I work with and organizations I work with that don't have those plans in place and they have to create them on the fly. So that's where I think a lot of this newer technology and, and organizations like you are helping because, A, you're finding the talent, you're grooming the talent, but you're helping organizations hire for the best fit for what it is that they do, which, you know, you've seen, how many times have you seen someone that's just super smart, but they're a bad fit for the organization. And then it, it doesn't really work, right? It, not everyone is the right fit for every company. So it's, it's culture is about finding the right fit as much as it is grooming and developing those people. Absolutely. No, and I, I love the, uh, I, I believe the phrase was, Culture is caught, not taught. Right? Yeah, did I screw that one up too? <laughs> no, no. I was like, I just wanted to make sure I caught it because I was like, wow, yeah. that, that, that was good. I mean, that was a, a poignant statement. Well, people will do what they what what their leaders do. They don't do what right. they say. And, and when I'm coaching people, I say, look, your teams and your families, they do what you do, not what you say. I mean, you know this. I wish my two sons would do what I told them to do. Unfortunately, they do what I do. And the same is true in leadership. You can talk a good game when it comes to culture and you know how many times have you seen it like i've actually led these you know executive programs where we'll build the core values and we'll build the mission statement and we spend two days doing it you know oh respect and integrity and these are all the things we're building our brand on and they make posters and t-shirts and wristbands and then six months later i come back and no one's demonstrating respect there's not a lot of integrity going on and no one's really walking the talk so you can say it all you want, but it's what I see every day when I walk in the building or when I connect with my team, that's what people will do. So that's what that phrase is. It's caught. It's not taught. You, you got to teach some things, 
but I'm going to do what right. others do in that situation. Uh, I love that phrase. Right. We use it a lot. No, that, that, that makes complete sense. Uh, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know, I, I believe, you know, leaders need to act and behave, you know, as, as they want others to act and behave. And, um, you know, and then even going back, you know, interesting point you made earlier that I wanted to go back to and, and touch on was, um, you know, you talked about, you know, people will leave, you know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's understandable. I mean, we're, we're not in a society of lifetime employment, you know, these days, but, but I also, you know, I view, um, when people leave, it, it's, it's because of a lack of engagement and sure. it's not, um, and, and oftentimes people think it's, you know, uh, predominantly motivated by in, extrinsic motivation. So, you know, more money. Dollar. But at the end of the day, I'm a, you know, I'm a firm subscriber that it's all about intrinsic motivators that really, sure. um, you know, drive people. And, and I think for me, you know, I think we, we've talked about before in, in our uh, many casual conversations about uh, life in the world and, and whatnot and organizational health. And, and uh, you know, I think more than, more than anything from a cultural standpoint, people are looking for three things, autonomy, mastery and purpose and i think when you when you do that as a leader when you bring that you know into an organization you give people the flexibility to work how is um best in in you know their particular situation to drive the aligned outcomes that you've agreed to with them you know when you give them opportunity for continuous learning to continue to expand their skill sets within what they're doing even outside of what they're doing and then um last but most importantly you give them purpose and you find common purpose, you know, with folks. And, and I think when you bring those things together, you know, you create a culture that is highly engaged and the likelihood of people leaving, you know, is, uh, is minimized. You know, I'd love to get your perspective on, on how you kind of teach culture into organizations, like some of the guiding principles and some of the things that you do mm-hmm. um, when, when you're helping folks uh, really craft what they want to design from a cultural step, standpoint. Well, you hit on some really good points there in that the, this modern worker kind of views themselves as a, like a free agent in sports, right? They, right. They, yep. It doesn't mean that they don't, they're not committed to where they're at, but if they don't feel like they're getting some of those things you talked about, if I'm feeling micromanaged or that I'm kind of stuck in this box or, or that no one trusts me, or if I don't feel like I'm good at what I'm doing, or if I don't feel like there's a sense of purpose other than churning out dollars. And look, every organization wants to be profitable. Every organization wants to grow. But it can't just be about making a, a profit, right? And, and, and again, don't get me wrong. Got to make a profit if you want to be in business. But that's the byproduct of all the things that we've been talking about. And so that free agency mentality, look, they've seen it. They've seen their parents uh, have their jobs ripped out from under them or their pensions taken away from them or their retirement accounts get hit based on a promise that was sold to them that didn't happen. So now we're asking them to trust the organization. Oh, trust us. You can't just say it. you got to put those things into play. And so when we're talking about things like autonomy, a lot of it is how are you coaching and mentoring your team? And, and when you're talking about autonomy, some people, especially in this new work force now where we're all kind of working remotely and everybody's in their houses. Some people love that, right? There's nobody over their shoulder making sure they're doing something at a certain time or punching a clock at a certain time. People are being judged now more by their productivity, which to me seems natural. Uh, but, but you know, this idea that there's got to be uh, parking cars parked in the lot and this, you know, time 
spent in the building, that's not going to change in some organizations. But if I have that ability, so flexibility, I mean, look, my kids in college, they're taking exams in their beds, right? <laughs> from their, you know, and, and if, if they get a good grade, I don't care about that. But but, you know, that I think is going to be more and more common. And so what I, what I coach people on is you got to meet people where they're at. Some people do need a little more structure. Some people are a little less certain about their ability. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all thing when it comes to autonomy. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I delegate stuff to my teams all the time. But their <laughs> delegation doesn't, doesn't just mean, hey, Ron, go do this task and I'll see you later. And then at the meeting when it doesn't get done, it's like, well, you know, I, I gave it to Ron, nothing happened. If I'm not, there's where the mastery comes in. If I don't have the skill set or the confidence to do it, that's on me as a leader. And, and so often, you know, we look at that frontline person and we want to, we want to say, well, that's the problem. Here's a good example. Uh, there's organizations I work with that want to do customer service training. And, and, and I think service training is great and you need it and everybody wants it. Uh, but the, usually the reason they want to do it is because their service scores have slipped a little bit, right? Services is down. I don't know what's going on. And so they think, okay, we need to do training and, and, and train our frontline staff again on how to give service. And the question I'll, I'll usually ask is, well, have, has there been a lot of turnover? Like, no, no, same people. They've been here for a long time. We, we love our team. I'm like, well, so let me just make sure I understand this. Has your team that once gave really great service just now forgotten how to give service? What's going on? And, and so as we dig into it, we say, well, it's not usually a frontline team member issue. It's probably a leadership issue. It's probably something going on at the next level that is impacting service. And, and so what I would challenge an organization, and we're talking about cultures, before you go and roll out of the expensive customer service training to teach people how to smile and say thank you and solve problems and deal with issues, which is still good training, you better make that adjustment at the next level first and find out what's happening there. And maybe it's not even that mid-level. Maybe it's the senior level that's completely disconnected to what's going on. And that leads to your engagement that you're talking about. If I'm not engaged you know, most people show up at work wanting to be engaged. You've hired people and anyone that's hired anyone out there, I would ask you, think about when you offer that person a job. It never gets old being selected, right? It's like getting picked on the playground for kickball. Hey, I'm picking you. You're like, yeah, awesome. I'm on the team. The one thing not going on in that person's mind, guaranteed, is they're not thinking, hey, Ron, thanks for picking me out of everybody. I can't wait to come here and work for you so I can not meet your expectation and not do a good job here. <laughs> right. That's something that happens once I walk into the workspace and start connecting with people around me. That's where it's caught. It's not taught. And so, you know, really looking at your organization at the macro, at the micro, and then really at that senior level, you know, that it, it all comes into play when you're talking about culture and all those things you discussed autonomy. Do I feel I, I have freedom to do what I want? Do you trust me? Mastery. And what are you asking me to do? Do I have the skills to do it? Or am I being asked to do something that's really not in my wheelhouse? And then purpose, right? And more than just making a buck. What do they say? A paycheck is part of the social contract, right? If I come to work for you, I expect to get paid, right? Right. So that's not really what motivates people when you talk about the extrinsic motivator. Yeah, I want to get paid. I want to pay my bills. I want to make sure I support my family. But is what I'm doing making a difference and having an impact or am I just 
cranking out another deal, cranking out another machine, putting another transaction through the pipeline. It has to be more than that. And great leaders know how to connect that vision and purpose to the individual, no matter what they do, right? Whether I'm, uh, you know, fixing things around the building or I'm closing the biggest deal that the company has ever seen that year. You say I get a little excited about this stuff. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> no, hey, I'm, I, you, you know, you know, uh, I, I can as well. I mean, you get both of us spinned up and look out. <laughs> but you know, so sticking on culture, um, I, what have you seen? Obviously, the last seven months have been unprecedented. I think you know anybody who's alive today has not gone through anything of this magnitude. You know, um, from a worldwide impact. Sure. Obviously, uh, work life has been impacted significantly. You talked about. You know, organizations that uh, traditionally have expected, you know, cars and parking lots, people sitting in, in the office to to show that productivity and, and performance is occurring. I mean, those days of, you know, I, I personally think the work from home, the remote, you know, working uh, movement has has tipped and uh, will never sure. go back. I mean, obviously, some organizations will, will still probably dig in and. But uh, I, I tend to, you know, when I talk to HR leaders or, uh, you know, around the country, um, more and more I'm hearing that they, you know, the organizations, the exec teams have turned the corner in, in recognizing that, you know, leadership transcends geography. Uh, people can perform well working from home. Obviously, there's uh, nuances to that. But, um, but certainly as a leader, running a, a remote organization, shifting rapidly to that, uh, to that type of environment, is challenging, especially if you're a fast-growing company. You're, you know, um, you're maybe a young company. You know, I'd be interested. You know, what type of, uh, you know, coaching you've been doing over the last seven months. Mm-hmm. You know, how you've seen that impact things, and you know, maybe some of the things you've you've shifted. You've seen organization shift in the way they're thinking. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, addressing well, you know the, the world we live in today. So there's a virtual talk I've been giving a lot, and it's called Emerging Stronger. Right. And it's it's basically saying taking the lessons we've learned in the past six months. And it's, it's been six months. Right. Since this all started in mid in mid-March. And it, because a lot of these things we're being asked to do now were things that were probably good ideas, uh, but we've resisted. Right. Like the whole video conferencing thing. Once this is, you know, th- this isn't going back in the box. You know, <laughs> we're going to keep doing this and virtual trainings. Even that's something even I resisted because I love that feel of a live audience. But, you know, there's a way to make a virtual conference a little more intimate and there's a way to, to, to still make it engaging and fun and exciting uh, once you shift your mindset and make that shift and that change. But we don't like change. We're not built for radical change, right? We are built to do the same things over and over and over again. And so you make a big chip like this it's going to upset a lot of people. And, and here's the thing, and mark my word, when things begin to normalize, whenever that is, there's going to be this massive gravitational pull to go back to the way we've always done it. And, and I think some of those organizations are in for a shock because it's going to be hard to go back to certain things. As you said, do we really need everybody in a big, massive, expensive office space? I told you the other day, I think we're going to shift over instead of work at home days, you're going to have, hey, we're going to have a couple days every month where we actually bring everyone into the office day. It'll be this weird thing now. And you're going to have to probably, you know, have a smaller footprint in your office in a big conference area that you rent out for that day to have everybody in there. 
<laughs> but, the work you know, from office days. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it I, I, you know, I think it's going to happen. But, um, but the one thing that, that I think is important is, is, especially in this, is leadership matters. And it always has. But there's a great quote. And the first time I saw it was in uh, the book by Bo Schembecker. And what he said is, of course, I'm a Michigan fan, right? I'm, I got to say, I got to plug it. <laughs> but he says, he says, nobody cares about leadership when you're winning, right? And, and I think that's mm. such a, a really, you know, timely quote. When the economy was cranking away, you know, earlier this year, and everything's going great, and everything you touch turns to gold, I don't really care what's going on at the leadership level if I work in a company. I don't care about my boss. I'm doing my thing. Everything's awesome. But when things tighten up and things shift and I'm on certain and I'm unstable and I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm freaking out like everybody was that first month of the pandemic. That's when the real leaders were showing up and the companies where leaders dug in and did those things that, you know, made a difference are the ones that are going to come out of this much stronger. Mark Cuban said early in the pandemic, I've been using this quote the whole time, the way organizations show up in this pandemic and treat their teams and serve their communities is going to define their brands for the next 20 years. And, and it's so yeah. true, right? So how you're bringing totally it great. and how you're showing up comes at it. And so, you know, the other thing I've been asking organizations to do, like I said, is, is look at the past six months and, and think about the things you've done that worked, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020, but every organization has done some good things. But there's also some things that now – Boy, if we if we'd have known, we know now we probably would have done some things differently. And so, you know, I, I heard someone say once, plant their tr- plant your tree, right? Plant your best time to plant a tree is is 20 years ago. That's the Chinese proverb. The second best time is right now. And and so many there's still some organizations I'm working with that are waiting for something. They're like, well, we just want to wait. We're in wait and see mode. And, and one of the things I've been pushing organizations to think about is stop waiting for normal. Right. There is no indicator that in six months our situation is going to be any different than it is today. Right. Right. Hopefully it's not any worse, but I don't know how much better it's going to be. And so if you're not making tough decisions today about what's going to happen in your company, you know, we're already in mid-September. Boom. It's going to be January 1st like that. And you're going to be kicking yourself January 1st saying, man, we should have done that back in September or October. So stop waiting for things to normal. And by the way, whatever you think normal is, it may not be like that. We're not going back right. to the way we've always done it anytime soon. So, and, and, and the thing I'm challenging companies to think about is some of the shifts you've made aren't, aren't we shouldn't go back to. <laughs> There's no need to. These are things that we've wanted to do for a long time. I read something about the grocery store industry, right? They've been trying to get people to buy groceries online and, and, and do that whole online thing for a long oh, yeah. time. Yeah, a This decades. just accelerated that by five to ten years, and they've improved it, and they've streamlined it. So, you know, we may not go back to that. And in a big city, you know, who wants to lug their groceries up and down the stairs? So a lot, right. a lot of good well, stuff's come out of this. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of sayings, you know, when the going gets tough, leaders lead. And managers manage. And, uh, you know, and I believe there's a distinct difference between a leader and a manager. You know, a manager is somebody who has a title and uh, is uh, transactional in, in, in nature. A leader is, is doesn't need to have a title and is transformational in nature. Yep. Yep. And uh, more than ever, we need leaders right now. Yeah. But we were talking about that again uh, the other day. 
It's one of my favorite topics, man. Transfer, are you transformational or are you transactional? And, and a lot of people confuse the two. Really smart, really talented people still can't make that jump from managing situations, being transactional, you know, provide me this, give me that, getting stuff done uh, to being a leader. And it, it's, I, I tell you, when I'm coaching someone, especially someone that makes that jump into a bigger leadership role, it really is a challenge for them to think about that because, and here's why, one of the reasons why people get promoted is because they were good at the job they had, you know, and, and, and one of the reasons they were good at the job they had is because they were doers. They got stuff done. You're given a problem. You're given a challenge. Give it to me. I'll, I'll get it done. And then all of a sudden you make this jump into a, into a senior role, whatever that is, where it looks like in your company and your job isn't to do everything anymore. Your job is to coach and enable and empower others to do that. And, but it's so far out of people's comfort zone that when they they look at the situation and it's not done, they, they can't help themselves but dive in and, and do it for their teams. And that kills that autonomy that you were talking about, right? They jump in, they micromanage the situation. It's probably the hardest thing I see people do in, in the human experience, and it, certainly in leadership, is let go of responsibility that they are really good at give it to somebody else and then watch them struggle with it. <laughs> it is so hard to sit there and not want to jump in and not want to, Oh, do this. Oh, fix that. And just do it for them. But when you do that, that essentially is sending a message, right? It sends the message that I don't trust you. You can't right. do this. Clearly I'm better at it than you are. And maybe you shouldn't be in this role. And that's not the message the leader wants to send. That's the intention no. versus the impact. The intention is I want to help. The impact is it cuts off all those things he talked about. It cuts off the autonomy. It cuts off my ability to learn it. And, it, you know, it, it cuts off my ability to have a purpose in what I'm doing. So I'm just going to sit here and wait around. Remember, nobody walks into a company thinking, boy, I can't wait to sit around here and do nothing, right? And, and have right. you do all my work for me. <laughs> No, that, that's exactly right. No, this is this is good stuff, and I know we can uh, we can talk about this for hours. Is there anything <laughs> else that you'd like to touch on before we uh, we wrap up? Uh, you know, I, I think I think the the biggest thing um, right now for anyone, whether you are a leader in a company or in a company, or just thinking about your life, is to you know think about some things you want to accomplish in the next few months. Don't get too much into the long term like goals right now. I'm not having anyone think about bigger long term stuff. I'm everyone think about what's right in front of them. Four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, twelve weeks. And and set some accomplishable, achievable milestones, goals for yourself. And then create a plan for them. And 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 what I say by a plan is people assume that making a plan uh, like you create a plan so things go perfectly. You don't create a plan so things go perfectly. You create a plan so you know what you're supposed to do today, right now. And the one thing the past six months has proven to everybody is that whatever our plan is, we can pivot from that. We can make that adjustment. Even people that are like, oh, I don't like change or I don't like deviating from the plan ha have been forced to deviate. So don't get so caught up in the in the, the bigger things going on. And, and the other thing I'm asking people to do is, hey, right now is important to avoid the noise. Avoid the noise going on. We got a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of voices talking. 
And oh, to compound that, it's an election cycle. So we've got that too. And I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. It doesn't really matter to me. There's a lot of people competing for your time and your attention. And, you know, a lot of that stuff has nothing to do with you being successful, you moving the needle, you getting where you want to go between now and the end of the year, and then into 21 and beyond. So think about those things that you know that create value that you do. Put some concrete, achievable objectives for yourself, for your team, both personally and professionally in play. Create a plan. Put your tunnel vision on and focus. And, you know, do what you need to do so that come January 31st, and we can finally be done with 2020. And a lot of people can't wait to get done with it. You can feel good about some of the stuff you've accomplished these last four months of the year and three and a half months away from 2021. So we're almost to that finish line. But my belief is whenever this normalizes, that's going to be the starting point. That's when the real work is going to begin. And that's where we get to really think about what we learned and then what we're going to apply. So a lot of things that for people to think about. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think if, uh, if, if anything that we've learned from the last six months is uh, how much is, uh, you know, is out of our control. And, you know, as a, as a wise uh, mentor of mine once told me the, you know, the only thing that we actually control is our thoughts. And, uh, and I think again, now more than ever, we're seeing how, you know, the illusion of control is, is simply that an illusion. And, um, and now more than ever, you know, I, you know, one of the coaching things I always, you know, talk to people about is embrace the journey. You know, yeah. we're going to set destinations. Those destinations may change. Things are going to come along the way. We may have to pivot, you know, so embrace the journey because uh, that's really where you get the most value, where you're going to grow, you know, individually, um, professionally and, um, you know, whatnot. So, uh, so, Hey, this was uh, an awesome conversation. I, uh, I really want to thank you for your time and thoughts today. Um, you know, how can our uh, listeners best connect with you? Yeah. So my website, it's myquarterturns.com, real easy. And uh, there's tons and there's at least a few hundred articles on there about leadership, about personal, professional development. Those are all yours. There's a 10-day free coaching challenge for you to check out and kind of jumpstart your next couple of weeks if you want to. Uh, and my email address is tim at myquarterturns.com. So feel free to reach out anytime you want to. I love talking about this stuff. I'm happy to discuss your company, your organization, or your personal or professional development. It's what I do. It's what I live for. It's what I get fired up about. So, Right on. Well, hey, that's a wrap with our uh, conversation with Tim Furlong. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you prefer to get your podcast stream. We'd also really appreciate it if you provide us with a rating and review. If you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to contact us at talentstream at interviewstream.com. Tim, thanks again for joining us today. It's all good. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for having me, Ron. You bet. <laughs>